0: Uh, Wasn't that a fantastic job by these children? They've been so energized all week long. It's been a fantastic week of vacation Bible school. And and Allison, I think on the first go around, you didn't have as many stand up because some of these workers wearing these light blue shirts are tired. They They had a long, hard week this past week. They put in a lot of time and a lot of energy and making it a great week. So. It has been another fantastic week of vacation Bible school. We missed that last year, meeting in purpose because of COVID- 19. We did uh, a virtual online vac- vacation Bible school, and many of you connected with us on that, and we're grateful for that. But we were so pleased that we could meet together this year. and It's a wonderful theme that we had. Uh, LifeWay just continues to come up with more and more creative people to come up with these songs and these themes and the lessons and and all that we could find uh, about Vacation Bible School making it so wonderful and so great. You might notice that Alice and I have on some of of the same attire. Uh, Since it was about archaeological dig, I broke my uh, coat out that I got about uh, five years ago. Uh, The last time we were going to Israel and uh, got... Multiple pockets. It just comes in handy for so many uses. You can store all kinds of things on it with your passport and glasses and pens and paper and all kinds of stuff like that. So I don't normally wear this, but uh, uh, we did this week for Vacation Bible School. To you, the parents of the children from Vacation Bible School, especially to you who are our guests who have been here this week with your children and been here today for this special morning, We are so pleased that you allowed us to have your children for this week. Uh, We thank you for entrusting them to our teachers and our leaders this week. And uh, we know that they had a great experience and they learned a lot about the Bible. They learned a lot about Jesus. And we're just so glad that you allowed them to come and be a part of Vacation Bible School here at Spring Valley Baptist Church. Now, as a guest today, I want to explain to you about uh, how the message will unfold. Uh, for us here at Spring Valley, hopefully you, you know what we're doing. But uh, what we have chosen to do in the last year and several months is that we will all be on the same lesson uh, that Lifeway puts out in their Bible Studies for Life. And this particular series happens to be on the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And we're talking about the, the church that God desires and we're looking at each of these seven churches. And what we do then is in the morning worship at 930, I introduce that, that series. I introduce that lesson for today. And then in life groups, they continue uh, discussing and talking about uh, the lesson that they've learned from today. So that's why we're in the book of Revelation and talking about particularly today the church at Thyatira. So in this series, uh, the church that God desires, we come today to the fourth church to whom Jesus sent a letter. And we see that Jesus, once again, we're reminded, is the Lord of the church. He's the head of the church, and he knows all about every church. He knows everything about every church, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is about every church, he knows about that. So as his care and concern for every church, he wrote these seven churches in the book of Revelation. Uh, There are some people who think that each one of these seven churches represents a particular time in the life of of the church in in church history. You know, like some of it might have been from uh, the early A.D. to maybe uh, mid-hundreds of A.D. or something like that. And that the last church now, the the last church that we would get to, Church 7, would be from uh, like 1880-something until the time that Christ comes. That might be true, might not be true. But I think we find characteristics of of every church in all of these seven churches. Seven is a number of perfection in the Bible. So I think that's why Jesus chose these seven churches because they were particularly seven churches in reality that needed to hear the the, uh, support that Jesus gave to them and encouragement, and at the same time, they needed to hear what Jesus had to say to them by way of rebuke and calling them to repent. Remember that Jesus has established the church upon himself, in Matthew 16, he asked the disciples, who is it that people say that I am? And they finally came to affirm, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you are right, Peter. He said, and upon this rock, pointing to himself, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So that's a promise to every church that's healthy and vibrant and fulfilling the purpose that God has for the church, fulfilling the mission which is making disciples. So he promises victory to faithful Churches and he has commissioned to the church, every church, the task of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and making disciples of all people. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we were in Nashville for our Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, our our outgoing president, J.D. Greer, uh, made mention of the fact that right now in America there are more. Southern Baptist churches than there are Starbucks, McDonald's, and Subway's combined. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? So you might be sitting there thinking, okay, I wonder how many of that is. Well, uh, I looked it up, and that figure varies from day to day, sometimes from hour to hour. But as of Thursday afternoon when I looked, and there are 47,530 Southern Baptist churches across America. What's our membership? Well, we've always been proud of that as Southern Baptists. It's somewhere between 15 to 16 million. I say somewhere between that because, you know, just like every church has a lot of people whose names are on the roll, we don't know where they are. Well, that's true across the Southern Baptist Convention. We don't know where they are. Now, how many typically gather on a Sunday morning across America in Southern Baptist churches? This is a telling figure, 5,250. So you get, what, less than a third of us Southern Baptists gather on a weekly basis. And did you know that the average church size in America, when you think about all the mega churches around, but the average church size in America the Southern Baptist Convention, life is only about 100 people in attendance We also recognize that all churches are different. Every church is is, uh, unique. And it takes that, different churches with different styles to reach different people. See, a diversity of people needed to reach our diverse culture. In our Southern Baptist Convention, we have a lot of churches that are declining. And so there's a great emphasis that's been placed upon revitalization of these congregations. But the truth is, some of them just simply need to close the doors and merge with somebody else. Because they're not going to get healthy. Their neighborhood has changed. They have not been faithful in proclaiming the gospel. And they have, they have drawn to a smaller number week by week. And so some of them will not survive. That is why uh, we have been given a great challenge and a vision 2025 through our leaders in our Southern Baptist Convention that we want to plant. That is to start 5,000 new Southern Baptist congregations by the year 2025. You know, you think about the life of our church here at Spring Valley. And through the years, you know, we gave birth to a Korean congregation that met with us for about six or seven years. And the Koreans met uh, and had worship in their language. Their Anglo spouses came and worshiped with us and main Latin the children into our Sunday school. You know that we also were the primary sponsor church for Awakened Church that meets out here off of uh, Interstate. We we're also the primary sponsor for Generation Church that, are, that met out here in the Northeast. Uh, just recently, we've partnered with five other churches to plant a Vietnamese church that will be meeting at North Trenum Baptist Church. But also, the most recent movement that we have made and planting a church has been to sponsor uh, the, the Messianic Jewish congregation that meets here on our campus uh, from 10 to 12 on Saturday night. Morning. So we've been about that process for years about helping to plant and establish churches, and we've also gone on multiple mission trips to work with other churches as well. So, when we come today to look at this fourth church, we're looking at the church at Thyatira, and it seems to be from every indication that it is a healthy and growing church. But we also know from what we've already learned about all these seven churches that Jesus would have some good things to say and he would also have some correction that he would need to make. So, let's look at the church in Thyatira as we see it in Revelation chapter 2 beginning in verse 18. To the church in Thyatira. So, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know, That I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nation's. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. And I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, as we come to look at this church in Thyatira, we need to have a little bit of understanding of the background of it. It's like we have with the, the uh, previous three that we've looked at. So what do we know about this? Well, the city of Thyatira in which this church was located uh, is the smallest of these seven to whom Jesus wrote these letters. And it also was not a city that was known as a very uh, uh, strong religious Uh, Importance. There were a couple of temples to some other gods, uh, but not like some of the other cities. The city of Thyatira was important for two particular reasons. It served as an outpost, as a protection a few miles outside of the city of Pergamon so that it would serve as a military function to protect the city of Pergamon. They would be the front line defense for any who would come and want to have uh, any kind of conflict with Pergamon. The second thing is that they were known as having a lot of industry. They had a commercial activity that was powerful and strong. And at the same time, they were known then for having a lot of guilds or, or what we would call unions today. And it was strongly noted for that particular reason. Now, as to the origin of the church in Thyatira, we're not sure, but there are two great possibilities. They could have heard the word proclaimed in Ephesus, as a lot of people did, and then took that and established the church with the gospel that they heard there. Or it could be possible uh, that Lydia, who was a merchant of purple cloth, mentioned in the book of Acts, uh, heard the message there and that she took it home and started a church there. And that was where, perhaps, uh, Thyatira got its start. We're not sure. But those are the things that we would know about it. So how can we get a picture of Tower Tower in our mind? Well, we might find some some correlation about that to some counterparts of these other churches. For Ephesus, we would think of a city maybe like Dallas that's bold and brash and has a lot of commerce and a lot of religion. For Suffering Smyrna, that was the second church we looked at, it might be a city like Cairo in Egypt where the Coptic Christians are constantly under assault. For Muslim majority, for Pergamum the closest equivalents might be Washington D.C. but the uh, worldly power and all the marble monuments. So what do we say about Thyatira? Well, we've already confirmed the fact that um, it was it was popular with a lot of commercial work and it had um, it had it had trade guilds or unions as we might call them, and so it was known for that. And it maybe might like be like. A city that's known for having a, a lot of uh, union. And I, I, I just kind of thought about Detroit and maybe Flint, Michigan. You know, with a lot of auto workers in that area and that. So, but the important thing to notice is though this is the smallest city, the smallest church, it seemed to be a healthy and growing church, but Jesus had the longest message for this church than he did for all of the seven churches. Now, we've read the scripture about what Jesus wants to say. So, let's look at how we've been breaking this down. Look at the Lord of the church. How is Jesus described? In verse 18, he is called the Son of God with eyes like a flame of fire and feet like burnished bronze. Now, what in the world would strike a resonant chord with the people in Thyatira? Well, remember, they served as an outpost to protect Pergamon. And as such, they were under the authority of the Roman Empire, they were a lookout station for approaching enemies, and so they would have eyes that would penetrate, so that they could see. And they would stand like burn, feet, like burnished bronze, because one of the strong industries was making a bronze implements. And so the words of Jesus reminded the church of Thyatira that He was the Son of God, that He had absolute authority over them. And that's the interestingly, that's the only place in the Book of Revelation that Jesus is called the Son of God. Isn't that interesting? It's a reminder to us that as the Son of God, He is God in the flesh, and so He is saying to them, God is really in your midst, and you are worshiping the one true God. He's also described as the one with eyes of fire, and that suggests His ability to penetrate into the life of the church and see everything that they did. And He had feet of bronze, which speaks of judgment over sin and victory over the enemies. So Jesus would be seen in this church as the absolute authority, as he is. He's the head of the church. He's the foundation of the church. He is the the creator of of the church. And so he was to be seen as the one who has absolute authority over this church as he does over every church. Now, let's learn from the life of the church. What does Jesus say about this church in Thyatira? Well, we look, first of all, at the things that delighted him in verse 19. Kind of a long verse, and he points out some things. He says, I know your deeds, your love, and faith, your service, and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Look at those. He says, I know your deeds. That's the things that they were doing. It was an active church. They weren't lazy. They were active. They had a lot of things going on. He also talks about their love. And he was talking about God's love in them that was shared with each other and was shared as they reached out in the love of God. He talked about their faith, that they were faithful. They were a people of faith. They were growing in their faith. He commended them for their service. That's its ministry and, and love in action and the witness to the community uh, that they were making. He praised them for their perseverance that they patiently and confidently endured in their difficult setting. And then he talked about their works of progress. It was a growing church. They were growing, perhaps, he says, more than ever in all of these activities and particularly in their works of progress. It was an active, growing, dynamic church. And the church uh, that had great works here uh, is this church in Thyatira. And what else can we know about Thyatira? But the Lord makes it clear that it was a strong church, a wonderful church with a lot of good things going on. But at the same time, there was something there that disturbed Jesus. In verses 20 through 23, we will see that the church at Thyatira had an internal problem of moral corruption. And the root of this problem came from a woman that he calls Jezebel. Now, whether her name is Jezebel, literally, I don't think so. I don't, th- I don't know of anybody I've ever heard who named the daughter Jezebel. I mean, it's just a name that we avoid. You know, we don't name our children, you know, usually a Nero or, or Jezebel or any of those names that were associated in the Bible with despicable characters and actions. But like the Jezebel in the Old Testament, she was a deceitful woman. And she was seeking to lead people astray. She was a teacher, he says, of the deep things of Satan. And she was seen as a seducer of the people of God. So what was she doing? Well, more than likely, it's like this. There are many different people worked with many different occupations. And they were members of these trade guilds or unions, okay? And so they would get together and Jezebel would meet with them. And when she would meet with them, she would make it a requirement that they had to listen to her teaching, hear what she had to say, and then that she would entice them then into casual sex in different activities with, uh, with pagan gods and to, and to make themselves less than pure. That's why your lesson today, when you get in your life group, will stress um, purity above everything else. Now, you would notice then that, of course... If a Christian wanted to succeed in business, they not only had to work hard, but they had to be a part of the union here in Thyatira. And that meant then that they had to be a part of the group that Jezebel was leading. Not to be a part of that was to commit economic suicide. And the result was that the church became guilty of the moral sin of spiritual corruption. Now you got to ask the question. Why did this church allow Jezebel to do these things? Well, I think, one, she was pretty strong and powerful in her ways. You know, it's sad to think, but it might be that they put economic success above spiritual integrity. And it might have been that maybe maybe she had a place of importance in the church through family relationships or something. The leadership of the church supported her in her actions and all that she did. But the bottom line is this woman named Jezebel was leading the church to moral compromise. It's a frightening thing to think about what can happen in the life of a church when it begins to compromise and tolerates within the life of the church what's going on out in the community around it. Jesus pointed out that not everyone was guilty of that. And he also gave them a warning to repent And he also said about Jezebel and her followers that they had refused to do so even under strong warning. So, what is the message for us that we really need to get out of this study of the church of Thyatira? And it's this it was was a compromising Christian commitment for success in the world. Billy Graham said about this church they either had a poor conscience or little courage. They had a poor conscience, a little courage. See, every one of us needs to look at the life that we live for the glory of God. Are we dealing with tolerance to the extent that we're yielding to compromise? Or do we have the courage to stand up for our convictions? More than 100 years ago, Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish theologian, warned that the age of the crowd was upon us. And in such an age, Kierkegaard said, people would not think of deciding for themselves, but they would follow the advice given to children going off to a party. The parents would say, look and see what the others are doing and then behave like them. That might describe your life. Have you moved from a tolerance of the world to a compromise with the world. There is always the reality that what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. Tolerance in spiritual matters always leads to spiritual compromise. Now, what then is the lessons for the church? What does Jesus say? Well, he gives two challenges. Verse 29. He says, to those who are guilty of compromise, he calls them to repent. Repent or suffer punishment. And to those not guilty in the challenge, to remain faithful to the end. What did he say would happen? There would be intense suffering. Her followers would die. And all the churches will know that God is serious about sin in the church. And then he also gives a twofold promise of reward to those who do not compromise. And he says to them, That they will have the promise of victory. Verses 26 through 27. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That's a quote from Psalm 2, which reveals the authority of the Son of God. And Jesus says his faithful ones will reign with him in authority in the kingdom that is to come. And then in verse 28, he promises the presence of himself. I will also give him the morning star." And verse 29, he says, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. The morning star is what Jesus is described as in Revelation 22:16. And he's saying, "When you remain strong, you remain pure, then he says, "I will come to you, I will be with you as the morning star. You will have my presence in you forever." So, let's wrap up this church at Thyatira. What can we say about it? When we look at them, yep, they were strong. They were growing. They were active. They were busy for the kingdom. But they were tolerant of activities and teaching that they should not have allowed to take place. They were experiencing the reality of what happens when you have so much tolerance for what's going on in the non-Christian culture around you, that it always leads to spiritual compromise. The other thing that we can gain, cl- claim from this is this, though. When we look at Tower tower and we hear the words of Jesus, is this. While tolerance leads to compromise, faithful obedience results in pleasing the Lord Jesus, and we reign with him. In victory forever and ever. So in your life groups as you think about not yielding to tolerance but maintaining purity. Think about that. Are you compromising your faith to tolerate something that you know is not right? And are you excited about living in obedience and faith in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? So that you will live in His presence forever and ever in the kingdom that is to come. and while you wait for that, that you will be faithful in serving him without any compromise. A Lot to learn from each one of these churches. Take this lesson from fire tire to heart, as you live in this culture. Pray with me, Father. We thank you for the letter that you, you, you sent through your Lord Jesus Christ to the angel, the pastor of the church at Thyatira. And we thank you, Lord, for pointing out the good things this church was doing. And that gives us encouragement. But Father, we thank you also for pointing out uh, the dangers that this church was facing because uh, of its compromise and, and being tolerant of, of actions and activities that should not have been taken. Help us as this church at Spring Valley Baptist To be a church that is a growing church based upon your principles of growth. The commitment to your truth. The commitment to your inerrant word. Father, the commitment to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Father, may we follow you. May we be obedient to you. May we be faithful to you. And then, Father, I pray today that in this gathering of people as diverse as it is, maybe there are people who need to come to you for the, for the first time in their life. They realize even through the song that our children sang today that there's sin in their life and they can't deal with it in any other way except to come to you and repent of that sin, believe in Jesus as the son of God and confess that he is their Savior as they confess their sins. And then, Father, I pray that we as a church will be strong and powerful in your name, in this community for your glory as we seek to reach people and change this culture for your glory. Father, I pray all this in the strong and powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.